Yeah, we we uh, we hid a bunch of eggs indoors. We hid eighteen eggs indoors, hard boiled eggs that the kids had colored the day before. Oh. Hard boiled eggs. We have found seventeen of them. Oh no! This was this was going to be my concern. Yeah. Uh, so well, that's don't worry. The, the ants will find the eighteenth one in the next <laughs> few weeks. Oh, it's great. Well, we'll have something yeah. to come back to. But uh, let's get into yes. it here. Uh, welcome back to the F1 Files, folks. I am your host, comedian, improviser, and writer, Corey Willis. And I got my buddy with me. What's up? What's up, Corey? This is John Lapore. I'm a creative director designing futuristic shenanigans for tech and movies and cars and all sorts of other silly stuff. That's right. That's right. How um, uh, how 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 we doing this week? What's uh, what is going on in the world of Formula One on uh, this the week culminating on a glorious, majestic Easter Sunday? Mm, yeah, just not a. I, it's it's gorgeous over here on the West Coast. Um, it's quite nice. Not 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 too many clouds in the sky. I have to say. Has has there ever been any sort of connection between like Easter and Formula One? Is there ever like I'm there trying to think? I, I, F- Formula One isn't doesn't really get down with any particular holidays. Although no. Monaco seems to always fall on Memorial Day weekend, if I'm not mistaken. Um, oh right, right. I don't know if oh. that's intentional, but it's always like Monaco Grand Prix, Indy 500. You know, the same day and and whatnot. Um, yeah, but yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I, I don't think that there's. I think they do a pretty good job of staying away from uh, from politics as best they can and uh, religion, except for, of course, the pagan holiday of Christmas, which <laughs> all the teams participate in. Um, which pretty wild. Uh, <laughs> don't get. I'm not trying to be controversial here. Uh, it's just you know Christmas. You know. Um, it's a pagan holiday. Uh, all right. Uh, well, uh, we're also going to talk about Monaco a yeah, little let's, bit. Let's circle. Yeah, let's circle back to that whole pagan Christmas thing uh, on a future yeah, episode. Yeah. Let's dedicate um, a solid ninety-minute block to that. To I want to yeah. dive deeper into uh, into uncovering what's what, what that's all yeah. about as it relates to Formula One, of course. Or that could be like a very special episode of the F One Files. Uh, yeah. the guys figure out Christmas. Um, yep. uh, figure out is, is how we would label that. Uh, so <laughs> not a whole heck of a lot happened this week. A lot, um, uh, a lot of folks, uh, on social media at home with their families. I saw some golfing buddies, some shenanigans, uh, around, uh, I think around, uh, Charles and, uh, and Lando and, and Alex were out on the golf course together being goofballs, which was fun to see. Uh, I saw Lewis was with his his family doing some Easter mm-hmm. stuff, um, but uh, I, Did don't, I see I, Lewis I and George surfing together. Yeah, th- I think that was a couple of weeks ago, or that was when it was like released that they did that together. Okay. Um, I also saw uh, who else was in there. Um, how do you, how do you, how do you feel in general about these sort of like forced like? the teammates are socializing with each other. Like, I feel like I'm always, I always like to think that these guys are close and have a bond. And then I'll hear some in-depth discussions with them and I'll realize like, oh, these guys avoid each other at all costs. Yeah. Uh, Like, like even like uh, Danny Rick and Lando, uh, there's a great podcast on, uh, what is it? The Smartless podcast mm-hmm. have you heard the the, the smartless podcast they had, da- they had daniel ricardo on uh great episode i think it's the only episode i've listened to of the smartless podcast yeah, but a lot of other people tell me it's a great podcast uh they go they go pretty in depth with daniel ricardo for an hour or so and he straight up was just like oh yeah like you know lando like i mean like he's not my like friend necessarily like we're cool with each other but yeah we yeah. don't really spend time together know each other particularly well 
or anything like that. And so like that, that's always stuck with me. And I just now assume that like anytime I see these sort of like scenarios where, you know, uh, Lewis Hamilton's giving George Russell a piggyback ride or, or something yeah, on like, social media, I'm just like, yeah, nah, that seems like that's maybe a little set up or yeah. a little staged, or maybe these guys oh. aren't as a person who is in the world of make believe. I can assure you that like a lot of this stuff is staged. I can't say like all the friendships are fake, but that one, uh, Oh, Hey, someone's, someone's disagreeing with us outside. Uh, oh, Jesus oh. Christ. <laughs> oh, do you think that that was Jesus Christ out there who was angry? Uh, uh yeah, yeah, no, Jesus Christ drives, uh, drives like a, like a 2016 Dodge charger and rolls through my neighborhood all the time, <laughs> honking his horn. Uh, and especially uh, since it's, uh, since it's Easter now yeah, he's doing yeah. twice as much and shooting fireworks out the window as he, as yeah. he rolls through. Yeah. They sell, they celebrate, uh, Easter a little differently there in North Jersey. And by they, I mean, Jesus celebrates it. <laughs> uh, Jesus is non-binary now. Uh, okay, so um, we uh, let, let's get back to F one. So we're we're talking about teammates being uh, being silly and goofy for the camera, uh, but not really being best buds off camera. I think that is true for I think the 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 three um, the three or four guys like the younger guys. Uh, who are all who kind of all came up in carding together and like mm-hmm. each other. Uh, but uh, I think that there are some people who sit on the outside of that. And I think like um, uh, Esteban Ocon might be one of them. Uh, and Max is also one of them. I don't know how close Carlos is with that, like little click of, of dudes. Um, mm-hmm. But I think like George kind of hangs out with those guys a lot more than he does with like Lewis or anyone else from Mercedes. Uh, so I think that that little like foursome is kind of close, but I think most other things are like forced publicity stunts. Uh, we yep. need to get another take of that. Can we get you to smile a little bit more this time? Um, you know, can Danny, can you look like you are enjoying giving uh, Lando a piggyback ride? Uh, like all that, like, you know, all, all, all the stuff. That- okay. So let me ask you a question, Corey. In the Formula One cafeteria, mm. who is left sitting at a table by themselves? I think who's the one driver of all of them who would be like, you know, goes goes over and everyone's like uh, either maybe maybe not so hostile as to say seats taken, but there's just, you know, no one is like waving over. Oh, hey, you're looking for a place to sit. Come and join us over here. Who's who's left out? Ah, okay, so this year, I'd say like that's. Fernando, uh, only because everyone thinks wow. that like, like he wouldn't sit with us. Like he's like that's Fernando Alonso. He wouldn't want to sit with us. Like I think that's why he might get left out. Um, but if we're talking about just like I think the way you're referring to what you're considering uh, is, uh, I mean, this feels harsh. This feels mean. Uh, but I think it is. Uh, I think it is Esteban Ocon. Uh, I think he is the one who kind mm. of uh, doesn't get included in all the other reindeer games uh, as as mm-hmm, mm-hmm, frequently mm-hmm. to stay on the religious uh, theme of this episode um yeah i don't think he he, he gets uh he gets to show up um uh, yeah i think that that's it i think he's the one um who do you think what what, what who do uh, i mean i would like to say i think it's i'm going to i'm going to totally jump metaphors and mm-hmm. I'm going to say that it's not that this guy doesn't get the seat in the cafeteria, but Nicholas Latifi definitely makes everybody else in gym class do extra oh, push-ups. Oh, snap. Yeah, yeah. That's the that's the guy who is the who coach punishes everybody else. I think you nailed it. Coach punishes everybody else <laughs> for his mistakes. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like the, this is why we can't have nice things. Nicholas Latifi, what a sweet, sweet guy, but also, ugh, man, what a hard, hard run of luck. Now, um, now there's also a world where I see, and, and this feels mean, but I feel like I see like Mick Schumacher sitting 
by himself yeah, solo just because he's like, I don't know, some of those guys were smoking cigarettes before they came into school I today. I heard one of them. I'm not first, really sure I should get uh, mixed up with morning. any of them. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> I, I heard There's so a- many of them dropping the F-bomb on Drive to Survive. I'm not sure. Uh, yes. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna chill out over here. Uh, yeah, that's. I'd say Mick also is a is a likely candidate for someone who wouldn't necessarily be joining in all the other reindeer games. Uh, strictly for like, is he gonna be cool? Like, uh, everyone else might be like, ah, maybe he won't. He might like tell on us if we like say something or do something that's mm-hmm. slightly out of bounds. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right, right, wow, right. that oh. was close. <laughs> uh literally reminds me exactly of and like even has the appearance of uh so back in the day i used to work at this beautiful mountaintop resort in new paltz new york oh. and uh would have a wonderful time at this total sh- job uh, mm-hmm. having every single uh during the summertime my whole team that i worked with we would all be party animals every night of the week and get together and celebrate and whatnot. And so uh, one night at a house party, <laughs> one of the one of the heirs to this family run resort, this resort is still in the name of the the family that founded it and has been passed on through generations. And one of the heirs of this uh, oh family somehow managed to show up at one of our super rowdy after work parties uh just you know uh think 20 20 year old like 19 to 22 year old shenanigans out the wazoo uh mm-hmm. and uh this dude was was there and i think i was starting to i don't know I was sharing some story or anecdote or whatnot that had some sort of like really uh disgusting or disturbing angle to it as i'm prone to do and i realized that this dude had just sort of like entered the discussion all of a sudden like everybody sort of like puckered up a little bit and was just like (laughs) oh no it's this guy and you have to imagine this dude like he did look a lot like mick schumacher uh, except he was like he was like six foot six or something uh, insane, and like he was he was hanging out with us because he was doing crap work, like working in the stables at this resort. Just because for him that was like he was just like yeah, I don't know, I I like horses. Can I work in the family empire with horses? And so he leaned in, and all of a sudden everybody was like, oh no, that's like all of our bosses, you know. Yeah, son like or his nephew name is or, on our paycheck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, li- like, literally, literally, his name is yeah. on our paycheck. And uh, and he just leaned into the conversation, and he was like, "You know, <laughs> I was going to say you are a total scoundrel." I was like, "Wow, oh somebody God. just called me a scoundrel." I was, I was actually really proud in that moment. And then he immediately was like. But I also have had the same thought myself, and like, almost, and it was almost like a moment where like everybody at the party like cheered in unison, we're like, "Yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna go out." So I hope, uh, I hope that at some time oh. in the next, like, I don't want it to happen immediately. I hope it's like a season or two away that Mick Schumacher has that you know moment in the Formula One cafeteria that doesn't that only exists in my mind, where yeah. he's you know he's able to just be like. You know, yes, uh, I also peed in the AlphaTauri gas tank. Oh, yeah. Carries him out of there on on the shoulders. AlphaTauri is like defunct and is not in existence and he stands no chance of getting in trouble. (laughs) Uh, um, Because that's the only way I could imagine that. So uh, Uh, this is is, I think this is like super evident of how much uh, how many how many fascinating updates have happened this week in formula one truly nothing happened um uh, just a bunch of people <laughs> hanging out with their families so john and i are speculating on future circumstances uh where drivers <laughs> hang out in the cafeteria uh i'm sure you have something slightly more concrete than uh my my fantasy formula one cafeteria scenario uh, I do, but I mean, I guess we never even we we just got right into it without talking about what this podcast podcast test what this podcast is. Podcast. Uh, 
podcast. Uh, 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 this podcast is John and myself just catching up about the week's events in Formula One. Uh, we are two fans who live here in the United States of America and have just had that perspective for our whole lives uh, as Formula One fans. Uh, love that the sport is picking up some steam. And uh, yeah, we just like to catch up and talk about it. But yeah, finally getting to a point where we can have our podcast entirely dedicated to the cross section of Formula One and Christianity. I yes, think that's, this is, uh, <laughs> it's taken all the way until 2022, but we did it, folks. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's uh, that's usually what we we talk about races that are happening. But since there were no races, uh, we're just going to get caught up on some of uh, the, the the happenings over the course of the the week, the off week, the down week, let's say the holiday week. Didn't see a whole lot of updates on what is happening this season. However, did see a uh, a little blurb uh, where Toto was talking about the fact that he doesn't feel that there's going to be a need for junior teams in the future. Uh, that oh. uh, the idea with the cost cap, um, it it is it should be put in place to level the playing field. And part of the reason why junior teams exist within the sport, uh, especially one of the reasons why they're so like cultivated now. Uh, and when, when I say junior teams, I mean like Mercedes has Aston Martin and Williams as lower ranking teams further back on the grid that, uh, that share their powertrains and or transmissions or other parts that can be shared between engine manufacturers and these other uh, um, customer teams is what they're called. Uh, but mm-hmm. uh, they, they are junior teams in essence. Uh, Alpha Tauri is that for Red Bull. Uh, and then we also um, have, oh, I guess Renault doesn't really have anyone as a, a junior team. Um, but we have Haas and Ferrari with that final kind of junior team set up on the grid. Uh, outside of that, we do have uh, Alfa Romeo, which is uh, a Sauber team, and Sauber used to kind of partner with some of the other manufacturers as well. But right now, they're dealing um, uh, as like independent teams; they're not proper customer teams, um, hmm. even though they're running Ferrari motors. It's like the bare minimum of like the customer assembly. Um, so uh, they don't really. I wouldn't really consider them a like junior team in the way that I consider Haas a Ferrari junior team. Um, uh, does that does that sound about right to you, Johnny? When we're talking, uh, no, that's that sounds right. And I mean, so there's another component to this. So when and I'm wondering if this was reflected in in what Toto was mentioning, but uh, there has been a lot of talk, and I think now some pretty clear sense that we're going to have some new heavy hitters joining formula one in the next several years. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And we, I don't think we've touched on this directly on the podcast. I mean, we talked about, uh, the Andretti, uh, team, the potential for them. potentially yeah. in the pipe. And that does sound like that would be a fully original, like from the ground up team, not the Andretti's coming in and purchasing one of the existing teams. I, I suppose it could go, that way but would be pretty aggressively overhauled but then what's the other two and this is wild to me that it's two entrants yeah yeah so it was it was ideally um the the volkswagen uh motor corp wanted to enter the volkswagen auto group uh auto the v the the vag the volkswagen auto group yeah don't forget don't how could you forget that it's the <laughs> the Volkswagen Auto Group um, just you know muscling yeah. in on their on their space? I uh, love it. <laughs> um, so they have uh, within that that here umbrella to, here to rejuvenate the sport. Mm-hmm. Um, to to add a, a little uh, add some life to the sport, give life to the sport. Let's say. Um, oh, to birth new life into the yeah, sport. Yeah, birth some new life uh, into the sport. Um, and they will be doing that through their uh, the, the two divisions uh, that they have annexed as the Volkswagen Auto Group. Um, that is Porsche and Audi. Uh, so we've got Porsche and Audi both talking about entering the fray. 
Um, and initially it was like, it was either going to be Porsche or Audi, but now it looks like both Porsche and Audi might be entering, uh, the, the customer or the, the manufacturing pool in 2026. Is, is that, is, is that what you got to? That's, that is what I understand. And yeah, I'm, I'm still, it, it still sounds fuzzy to me, or I hear a few different things about potentially Porsche, perhaps teaming up with the Red Bull team. Red Bull. Um, I think there's been, you know, it almost sounds Audi as Red- standing alone still as its own team. I, that I would sound s- I'm a, well, I'm assuming if Porsche came in, it may be because it's, it sounded for a little while, like Red Bull was starting to flirt with the idea of exiting formula one. Yeah. And so I wouldn't be surprised if it was just, the Red Bull team got swooped up by Porsche and became the Porsche, you know, Porsche F1. Um, could be it, but I don't there's know. Been I mean, talk about Audi having ties potentially to Sauber, potentially to McLaren. I think I think it's all kind of up for for grabs. But I mean, right. to McLaren's me, more than anything, the other Mercedes like junior. T- well, it's not a junior team. It's more of a customer team. Kind of like Alfa Romeo is like a Ferrari customer team. Like, well, I'm not. I'm not even sure if McLaren even has that tie anymore. I mean, I think there was yeah. back in the day. Um, so yeah, I, I oh, it's yeah. it it to me is interesting to see these guys coming in. I mean, I would love to see more proper manufacturers coming in, and I would hope that it's not Porsche and Audi are entering in the same way that like. Aston Martin, quote unquote, is a Formula One team, which is really just like we put Aston Martin stickers on the stuff. But Aston Martin, like engineering, you know, has nothing like there's no connection whatsoever between the Aston Martin road cars and the Formula One cars, aside from something that we should touch back on in a a moment. Oh, um, we got pins. We got we're we're dropping pins left and right. I love this. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. We got it. We got to get back to that. So, uh, so I wonder, are we are we going to see more big manufacturers or teams drawn into the sport with the surge in popularity? I mean, we are always talking about the the surge of popularity in the United States, which is yeah. awesome, and I'm always super excited about. But uh, there is also, I mean, it, it, we would be foolish not to take note of the fact that there's a surge in popularity in Formula One worldwide. Yes, it's happening. Absolutely. It's happening all around the globe, and so I do wonder if we're going to see more, uh, potentially more like quote unquote manufacturer teams coming into the fray, jumping into the sport, and getting involved just because it's a it's a white hot place to show your wares, to flex yeah. your engineering muscle, and and make a name for your brand. Well, especially with the advent of like not just hybrid technology, but the fact that like things are going fully electric and we have, there's the, I mean, we don't really talk about it. We haven't talked about it, but there's the formula E as well, where it's like all formula electric and that, I mean, maybe we should dedicate like an off week episode to that. Cause that mm-hmm. is really, really cool. Uh, aside from like the non-existent engine noises, just the whirring of servos. <laughs> just, um, yeah, just crazy, like transmission noise shrieking all around the, the yeah. track. So like it's, and it's interesting to me because formula E is actually had a really easy time getting mm-hmm. tons of like quote unquote manufacturers yeah. into the mix because for them, it all aligns with like a great PR message. It aligns with exactly. uh, their broader strategies. I mean, all of these companies, you know, Porsche, Audi, all of them are all very much intently focused on the future of their vehicles being predominantly electric. And, well, that was you part know. of the agreement of uh, of Porsche, Audi slash Volkswagen entering the engine pool, entering the manufacturing pool was the fact that they were like, hey, we we need y'all to like we've they've set their business model on going like fully electric and fully renewable. So for them to take mm-hmm. a dip and dip their toe into not only motorsport, but motorsport at the Formula One level is absolutely a massive deviation to like their corporate model, like their worldwide corporate model and like statement and focus so f1 is well, now I mean, switching I mean, up little, to like biofuels yeah 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's well, well all right. So that's interesting because uh, uh, you know Audi's pro- predominant you know focus is like yeah, uh, electric quote unquote e-tron. Mm-hmm. Audi vehicles in the future, we'll be seeing more and more of them, and and there will be some really exciting ones. From Audi, please don't angle. sue us for mentioning Etron. Please don't sue us for mentioning <laughs> Etron. Uh, same thing from uh, Porsche. You know, Porsche Taycan. Mm-hmm. I had an opportunity to uh, take a ride in a in a Porsche Taycan around a racetrack, and it's face melting. It's absolutely insane, and you can understand why. Like, okay, there's there's something here, and. Uh, I believe uh, the the broad expectation is that the next like Porsche Cayman slash Boxer they will only be electric. That's like just yep. what you will get when you get one of those things, and so that makes sense for Porsche as well. However, Porsche does have this other wild card up their sleeve, which is they have been pushing and developing some sort of like naturally sound synthetic fuel yes that could be used and i suspect that that's almost meant to be i i I don't see any world where that's like a mainstream thing i think it's going to be something where like 30 years from now when your old you know vintage 2022 porsche 911 gt3 is is no longer legally allowed to be driven on the street your loophole is like no, but I can put you know fake fuel, fuel into in it. it. So it. I can put this synthetic emissions. fuel into yeah. it that has yeah. yeah drastically limited emissions and and roll around. So there's something interesting there. Uh, yeah. Uh, nonetheless, uh, I think you know when we circle back to a discussion about Formula E, I think we should get into a deeper discussion about also just like the idea of like. Uh, in a world where everything is pretty clearly on a trajectory towards electric, mm-hmm. how long will Formula One stay internal combustion? Uh, yeah. Will it, you know, how will it make the the trade off? And is that trade off really, um, you know, what what is the actual impact to fans and and whatnot? Because I think it's Can it's kind you- of a wild thing. And like I'm I'm deep in the automotive landscape in terms of next yeah. generation tech and and you know the electric cars are they are freaking wild and from a performance standpoint we're now at a point where the yeah. fastest accelerating car that can be purchased i see like 3 of them a week it's a tesla plaid mm-hmm. the tesla model s plaid i see them all over the place i i see yeah. it like everywhere like it's not like a bugatti veyron that i've seen once in my life no, on miami no, these Beach. are rocket like ships the fastest and- accelerating car in the world is you is becoming like somewhat ubiquitous. They're all over the place. They're affordable. You can put your whole family in one and like tons mm-hmm. of luggage and and all this stuff. Like it's an insane thing. I think we're gonna keep marching down this path. Um, but there's there is still something to be said for like, oh, but it does just feel different when the whole car like vibrates, you know. Yeah. It does feel something. a little different when you when you have to pull up to a place and pour through a, a a a gun handle, pour explosive fluid into your your vehicle and and what to create like there's, small explosions to propel you, uh, yeah, uh, nowhere near the speed of sound, but definitely fast enough to kill you. Um, yeah, it's a yeah. It, it that I think we are always it, we are always not because we haven't always had petrol driven vehicles. But I think that it's that kind of like the it's Pandora's box. I don't think that you can go back to being like, oh, well, people don't really love the sound of like a V8. Uh, And it's like, I promise you, even if you hate this, like even if you hate the sound of like a V8 ripping past your suburban home, waking up your sleeping children, hearing a V8 motor off in the distance it's quite nice. Uh, it, it's like it's like this, like oh, I know what that is. So it's this. It, it I think it's now like kind of wired into our culture that we'll always appreciate that, um, uh, and there will always be people like us too who are going to like cram this down someone's gullet, whether they want it or not. Um, but yeah, I, I think I, think I mean, that, on, listen on change. on Easter Sunday, it is a little annoying when Jesus Christ has no shame. 
and he's just cruising around with the crackles and the pops and the the yeah, verbal tune like, just but he's that he hasn't he hasn't unleashed the charger all winter okay it, it he was you know what, it's what, risen. what else yeah, he is risen. What do you want? You know, um, <laughs> he got the octane boost uh, in there. He's like ready to go. Um, he's had a couple uh, rock star energy drinks. He's, yeah, uh, he's ready. He's rolled up his sleeves uh, and he's he's gripping the wheel. Uh, can you imagine Jesus with driving gloves? All right. Um, <laughs> Let's uh <laughs> let's 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 move on here uh to to chat about um uh just the the fact that w- w- we could be seeing some updates, right? We could be seeing some updates that are uh heading towards us at Imola. Um uh for for these vehicles, not a lot of updates coming, but there are some uh some changes there. I mean, Australia people kind of still are unpacking that. Have you gotten any updates on the Williams uh tire uh miracle? <laughs> um, uh only only that like, you know, Pirelli were, you know, trying to figure out like how how did that even happen? That's amazing. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's still, we love it. Okay. So it's still not being like openly talked about or discussed. Um, yeah. All right. Interesting. Uh, we'll see. We will see, especially if that changes tire strategy going forward with, with teams. Um, will they just roll so, the dice so, and throw the hard tires on? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think we'll see a lot of people trying to emulate that performance. Cause it seems like that was just like a, cause if a mid not that it was even a, that, that's a podium. That's yeah. like, that's fully eliminating, potentially eliminating a last a pit stop for fresh tires at the end of a race, right? Like, I mean, honestly, what what I think could happen is we could see everybody starting to try and play that game, and then all of a sudden mm. Pirelli's going to come in and they're going to be like, okay, we're going to make sure that medium tire degrades a little bit yeah. quicker. Because they can just bring different compounds to different weekends, and if a compound is working yeah. too well, they could just eliminate that from the pool um, altogether. Yeah, that's true. I would like to see I would like to see it where like maybe they didn't have to do a pit stop in a race. Uh either mm-hmm. don't have to do a pit stop in a race or make it so you have to use all three compounds in the race. I think that would mm-hmm. do like Karun Chandok made like a comment about that and he's been saying it for years. Um uh and I think that that is a reasonable thing that would like level the playing field a bit. Um but uh, I don't hear of too many updates coming. Um, yeah, what's up? Uh, I just wanted just to catch you on the on just the note of pit stops, only because it was Ooh. coming up over my Easter dinner. Uh, there's this wonderful video uh, on YouTube that uh, my my old man Phil Lepore, shout out to Phil Lepore, was bringing hey. up to share with my father in law uh, Victor Fiola. Uh, to, uh, to, to absolute madmen, uh, we're, we're looking at this video on YouTube. It's F1 pit stops, 1950 versus 2013. And it's, uh, Ferrari team literally in 1950 taking about three minutes to like bang the two front wheels off the car. Right. Uh, you know, they're the guy is refueling while sitting on top of the car, you know, spurts of fuel dripping down the driver's neck and and whatnot. You know, a totally separate guy just casually walks over and is just like, here's a here's a here's some water for you to drink while we're continuing to work on your car. We're still we're still working it out. That guy still hasn't banged the front right tire off of the car just yet. Uh, and, and well, they had to share a mallet. It's not like they couldn't bring four mallets. Uh, yeah. I mean, like literally like the guy is like, I just took the front right tire off. Uh, that was great. I did a pretty good job doing that. It only took me about 90 seconds. That's impressive. It takes me like 20 minutes to do it on my car at home. Oh wait, Mm -hmm. crap. I got to do the other tire too. Yeah. yeah, The other side of the car. Um, and just, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's it's kind of hilarious to to watch it and then they you know they pair it back to back with uh, a a pit stop from from 2013 and you know you see the team just like waiting prepping gearing yeah. up 
waiting and waiting, waiting, and the car comes in and it's gone out of the frame in just a moment. And it's, uh, it's, it's absolutely, uh, absolutely astounding. So like, I mean, the pit stops are so quick. Um, you know, there is a degree to which it, it almost could make less of a difference or like, I'd love to see a way for the pit stop to be, you know, the pit lane to not be such a sort of like parade or like almost penalty of like limited speed and whatnot. Obviously you have to do that for uh, safety, safety reasons. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'd love to see, uh, I'd love to see what could happen with the pit stop strategies getting a, a little more mixed up even more than they already have since we lost refueling. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, I, I mean, that was, I'm glad that there's no more refueling in the pit lane. Uh, take, take, take a quick moment to YouTube, uh, pit yeah. lane fires. Uh, if you want to see some horrific moments, um, most of which people survived, um, but some of which people did not, and several of which people were horribly scarred. Um, yeah. Um, on the subject of, uh, you were talking about, uh, who's bringing upgrades. And the one other thing that I heard come up this week is that Mercedes upgrades are nowhere near ready. Yeah. And that is, I, I am getting deeply concerned for yeah. the Mercedes AMG F1 team. Um, that it, it seems like they're, uh, punting it down the field a few more races until they will be showing up with any reasonable upgrades, you know, the likes of which they, you know, you hear about, okay, well, they're having some serious problems, but they will have some upgrades. And now we're looking at basically over a month from now, uh, not until the Spanish Grand Prix, so we've got two more races that we'll have with a Mercedes that is almost in the same spec. I'm sure there will be, I'm sure there will be a thousand differences, but the ones that matter aren't going to be coming for two more races. Yeah. The ones that really might change the game. Uh, well that, that sucks. Uh, as a Mercedes fan, that sucks. Well, I mean, that's the thing though, is they, they're dealing with this porpoising thing and, Mm-hmm. That's like stealing all of their focus. So uh, I have to imagine that M- any scheduled upgrades that they had planned, and this is what these teams do, is like over the course of a season, uh, Haas is notorious for this, is they will only upgrade their car when it fits within their schedule. So if you're scheduling to upgrade your car every few races, but your car sucks, and you can't figure out why it sucks. You can't just go ahead and upgrade it because you might upgrade it to sucking more. So there's mm-hmm. this like huge problem that Mercedes is facing. And I don't know if this, I mean, it's so early in the season and it's wild to be like, this may be unrecoverable, but this may be unrecoverable at this point. If they have to just kind of cross their fingers and step off the curb with their eyes closed for the next two races. Like that's, you can't guarantee that there are going to be reliability issues down the road with Red Bull, uh, which means you're dropping back in the points. If McLaren figures it out, which looks like they're, they're chipping away at it. Um, they, I mean, I know that Australia was course specific and that's why they perform so well. And they're saying that to everyone who will listen, but uh, that's a, that's getting a little dicey for Merck. Well, yeah. I, I, I hope that they can figure it out because I don't like to see them struggle. Uh, but when I like when I think at our first the first race that we went to, like Merck was OK, but they weren't great. Uh, that was like, I think, the year after Hamilton had gotten uh, had signed with them. Or did we see them the year after he signed with them? Or did we see? Shumi race yeah no 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 it was it was uh it was Shumi it was Shumi that first year yeah so the Merce- yeah, Mercedes yeah, yeah. Was, was trash that year it was him and I mean, it was it was yeah it, it was trash it was midfield it was it was exactly it was a midfield car which is like yeah, yeah it happens right um and there are still valuable points and it didn't deter us from being fans right like so it's not like it's devastating it's just hard to see right now um mm-hmm. but uh i was watching uh watching a little interview with uh 
with Craig Scarborough, and he was talking about the porpoising thing uh, with Mercedes and Ferrari specifically. Uh, and he brought up the fact that there, it's not just a, a an aerodynamic thing. It is uh, a suspension thing as well. Um, and different teams are coming up with different ways of dealing with it. But he said that he's noticed a trend that it are uh, the, the cars that are dealing the best with it are cars with like a higher rake. Um, and rake, uh, for those of uh, y'all out there who are not aware of it, uh, is how tall the car is in the front versus how tall it is in the back, the ground clearance. So cars with a uh, high rake have like a large amount of ground clearance in the back and a very small amount, which make the car a bit of a wet. Apparently this is making it easier for cars to deal with this. Um, specifically the Red Bull and the Ferrari uh, are doing very, very well with this because they have a slightly higher rake than the Mercedes um, and also the McLaren as well. So um, that is why he thinks that things are working out for them. Uh, also, those two teams are running spring dampers at the front of the floor, uh, which spring dampers are literally just giant springs at the front of the floor. It's what makes the sparks happen on these cars when they're going down the straights. So if like you see the Ferrari, it's sparking quite a bit. If you see the Red Bull, it's sending up like rooster tails of sparks, even in the corners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and same with fun, Alpha fun. Fun fact, uh, the FIA specified like a very particular kind of uh, titanium for the underfloor for the lowest portion of the car because it would generate such because it beautifully st- colored sparks. Yeah, yeah. I remember when it changed. I, what was that, like 2015 or 2016 maybe that that changed? Uh, and yeah, everyone and I mean, was the, like, there, there's always been sparking cars through Formula One history, yeah. but like there was a point at which they were just like, no, it's mandatory that like that they if your spark. car gets shoved down into the ground and it's like anywhere past, you know, late afternoon, you should see glorious, beautiful glowing sparks come yeah, spraying like, off of the cars and like dazzling. It is yeah. pretty f- <laughs> cool to see. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and on TV, it looks like pretty impressive. Uh, it's like dazzling in person though, to see these sparks fly. It's like, it was quite the show. Um, yeah, it's epic. It's epic in person. And it's, it's particularly awesome when you've got like a tight chase going on and you see the following driver showered and go through this sort of like wind tunnel of sparks coming off of the car in front of it. It's like, like James Cameron is directing, uh, yeah. uh, the, the race, like it's that kind of just metal, yep. me- metal smelting, um, happening <laughs> right in front of your very eyes. You know what? The uh, whole, the whole, uh, final 15 laps of this race are actually going to be relocated to a lava factory uh, that we filmed <laughs> yeah, yeah. the, the final scenes from Terminator two. And, and we will, uh, arbitrarily just drag a truck filled with, uh, liquid nitrogen onto the track, um, uh, to stop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one team's pit crew will be doused with liquid nitrogen and if the car touches <laughs> any of them they will shatter they'll shatter yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, all right so any 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 other fun stuff happening in the world of uh f1 this week um other than that porsche news porsche slash audi news uh not really uh let's 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 close up here with uh, a brief uh safety car uh, catch up, uh, because that was something that may have trickled into some people's news feeds. Um, what's, what's going on with the safety car, Johnny? Um, if you don't mind, I want to just do like a full rewind on just the concept of the safety car. Cause there is like a, yeah, sure. a, there is something that's been discussed this week, but, uh, I'm a huge geek for the safety car. Uh, yeah. I love seeing a, Basically, I just get excited seeing like a road car out in the mix with these other cars. Uh, I particularly remember from our uh, many visits to the Montreal oh. Grand Prix, uh, seeing uh, not even the the safety car back in those years. It was the Mercedes SLS, the Gullwing. Uh, yeah. Mercedes was the safety car, which was but cool as hell. Met- was v- yeah. yeah super cool as hell yeah and then the medical car is a forbidden fruit in the united states uh mercedes c63 amg wagon 
Yeah. Uh, like forbidden fruit is in they do not sell them over here. You cannot get yeah, them. Yeah, you here. can you can get a C sixty three AMG, but not as a f- station wagon, which I mean yeah. I mean almost rightfully so. I mean, that's why I yeah. love it so much. Uh yeah. And seeing seeing both of those cars rip around the track, but particularly the wagon, like the and they they basically have the same supercharged uh, 6.3 liter uh, V8 under the hood. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, no, I'm sorry, it was a normally aspirated uh, 6.3 those, liter V8. Yeah, yeah, amazing sound hearing these things, and then seeing the two drivers of these things putting in you know even when they're just out like in between practice sessions or whatnot they do these sort of scouting laps around the track but when they do them they are like qualified laps in these cars and you can't like you you it's it's so wild because you never get like as much as you see it on like on screen and as much as they like try to show it in like these like um, these these super high frame rate slow motion cinematic shots uh, of seeing like the f- like you know like the them in like full lock going around corners on your screen seeing it in real time them going full peg through some of these co- like go literally at the mm-hmm. limit of like if they drove half a mile and over uh, uh, faster the car would spin out like it, there's just the car is so on the limit um, it's it is. Uh, a, a sight to behold. Uh, yeah, it's it's kind of cool, especially in the context of the F1 cars, because the F1 cars are so like stiff and sort of stable so appearing, and then and you see so, this, yeah. Like, yeah, you see this this street car tearing around. And it looks like it's going to get up on like two wheels. So yeah, I, I'm always I'm always a huge fan of these these vehicles. Um, we have this season. Uh, we are alternating between red Mercedes as yeah. the safety car and a green Aston Martin as uh, as safety car. Uh let's see. And, and the, the same with the medical car too. They're 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 alternating out. Um is is there an like, Aston Martin medical car? It's yeah, it's a it's um it is more of a crossover. Uh it's uh, their it's their SUV. It's uh, their SUV, which is fine. Um uh but it is not the Mercedes and the Mercedes, I think, is now the crossover. I don't think that they use the the estates anymore. Um, no, no, they're u- they're using. So the new Mercedes medical car is uh, it's the Mercedes AMG GT sedan, which is like it's sort of like a coupe sedan, but it's a it's a four door. It's a but big, it's basically yeah. the same. It's pretty much actually the same exact car as the safety car, just it's got four doors. It's like and it's like a tiny bit heavier. It's not that yeah. dramatic of a of an increase. Um, and yes, you're correct. I just looked it up. The the Aston Martin they're using that uh, Aston Martin DBX SUV, which I think yeah. is just like a a, a a crime against humanity. Uh, yeah, as it looks a, terrible. As, as if you've seen it in real life, it it like it looks bad. It does not look good uh, on the <laughs> TV screen, and it looks real bad in real life. Um, I haven't, yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen one driving around in New Jersey yet. Um, but I, I'm, I'm sure I'll see it soon. Uh, the, the, yeah. those freaking the Lamborghini SUVs are everywhere. Well, it's like, also, it's I just, like a I, sloppy looking Lamborghini SUV. It really does have yeah. that like, oh, you just rounded off the Lamborghini. Like that's what you did. Interesting design choice, I guess. So this week we had coming out of, uh, of our last race, we had some complaints coming, particularly from Max Verstappen about the green Aston Martin safety car during a safety car period driving uncomfortably slow yeah or i believe as uh verstappen called it he was referring to it as uh as a turtle which is kind of yes. adorable given it's it's green color scheme yeah yeah um a, a, a bit harsh but like yeah it's funny that's very funny hearing verstappen's like this turtle <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's great what is this guy doing it's like he's driving around in a turtle it's very funny so, so i don't I don't get it. Like, I don't know why these guys are following behind. So, uh, Baron Maylander is the driver of the mm-hmm. safety car, and he's been the driver of all the safety cars. And I know he's a bad driver. 
He's a, yes, you know, a he's like a like a Le Mans, like he 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 yeah. runs Le Mans, I think. Very accomplished racing driver, and I can't imagine any world where I, I don't have the highest esteem for Aston Martin as a brand. I think they make beautiful cars uh, and and whatnot, but I don't think there's any world beautiful, where cool, the Aston Martin is sedans. like John. Let, hold on a second. Aston Martin makes beautiful coupes and decent looking sedans. That's it. It's not, let's not give them credit. Right, right, right. They do not deserve it. <laughs> and, and then horrific SUVs as everybody's <laughs> yeah. prone and to crime do against nature. These days. Uh, yeah. SUVs. Yeah. I mean, just, yeah, you can, you can just put it in the same crime against nature lineup with every other like quote unquote exotic SUV. But all right. Yeah. So w- what I'm getting at is I can't imagine any world where this Aston Martin coupe uh, safety car is not a incredibly fast street car running on probably like there's clearly a dog fight happening outside of my apartment right now. And I I don't know if it's coming through. It's not a dog fight. It sounds like some sort of dog skirmish. Uh, I I don't hear, I don't hear any of it uh, because I'm drowned out by, you know, Jesus Christ is about to roll through again in his Hellcat. <laughs> how, how ironic. It was a very... Uh, it's just flaunting it in front of uh, Satan. Yeah, he's, um, he's very self-aware. I love it. That's what I love yeah. about JC. Self-aware Jesus. <laughs> he's, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, sorry, back to uh, to Burnt Mylander uh, flying around. His, um, his uh, Jesus, Jesus' license plate says uh, WWID. It's uh, it's it's very clever. He's very very self aware. So yeah, Baron Maylander hustling this Aston Martin around. I can't imagine any world where this Aston Martin can't haul ass like as fast as any you know within within a a second of some of the fastest streetcars made today. I am sure it is running on slick tires mm-hmm. when it's out there doing these laps. Uh, I, I, you know, I don't understand what's going on where the drivers are, are complaining about this. And I think uh, Charles Leclerc was <laughs> chiming in and he was saying, Something to the effect of like, uh, oh, here's here's the exact quote. I wanted to complain, but then I checked how much the safety car was sliding in the corner, and I don't think there was anything more that he could give. So I didn't want to put too much pressure, he told reporters. I love that. I love that he's like watching the car slide around. He's like, yeah, no, it's, that's he's ringing 11 tenths out of that, that safety yeah. car. So the only possible conclusion that I can come to where the guys are complaining about this safety car is not that it's driving any slower than any past safety car has, because I I truly don't believe that to be the case. I don't think there's a world where like the Mercedes safety car was like three seconds a lap faster or anything. like. I don't know. I think it is a little bit faster, but it's like I think it's like to me, it seemed like a nominal amount faster. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, and yeah. and while these guys are supposed to be, you know, driving at what Formula One drivers would consider, you know, a safe speed or whatnot, but like, exactly. I mean, especially just considering that, like, uh, the way that these streetcars are evolving in terms of speed, an Aston Martin or a Mercedes sports car of ten years ago would have no chance of keeping up with one of these things, and so exactly, like, I just, I just don't, I don't. I don't get it, but my my theory is that it's got to be all about the fact that their tires, they can't keep heat in the tires at yeah. safety car speeds anymore. Yeah. And I think that's um, driving the, making the drivers crazy. And I think that that's gotten worse as like tire technology has uh, evolved too. Um, there's like a safe limit that they can run them at pit lane speeds and on like outlaps, but then it does get real dicey if they have to try and keep those tires warm and then go racing immediately, uh, which is what happens when they have these rolling starts. Uh, it is, it is not an equalizer. And there, there have been complaints about the rolling starts in the past. Uh, someone had floated out. I don't remember what driver it was. Someone had floated out to instead of running these either the Aston Martin or even the Mercedes uh to run a GT spec car 
uh, to just run a car that can go faster. But F1 wants to market their road cars, right? Like that's part of the whole mm-hmm. thing is like, look yeah. at this like car that anybody could drive leading a parade of these rockets on wheels, right? Like that is part of the appeal. That's yeah. part of why Aston Martin is doing it, it willing to put themselves out there like that is to be like, look at our cars, look at, you could buy this. This is on par with a Mercedes, right? Mm. Like you think you're bad driving a Mercedes. How about a DB nine, right? Like it is for sure. I understand what the, the comparison is, but if it's down to safety and if it's down to actually enjoying the sport and allowing these race drivers to do what they're supposed to do, maybe we sacrifice a little bit of that, like commercial viability for mm. like actual sport. Right. Especially considering where we're at now with the sport, how much we we commercialize it and how accessible it is, which is one of the reasons why we're even doing a podcast about it is because the, the sport is blowing up. It's it's an interesting thought. I mean, and, I mean, there's also versions of these cars like of these exact cars, like the Mercedes yeah. AMG GT. They have a version of it that is a hardcore spec race that runs in touring. Yeah. Good. It literally yeah, runs on the same doing track. endurance racing and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or not the same I, track, but I, tracks that are similar. Yeah. I, I would vote for that. They just install like, uh, one of those, uh, like rabbits on a rail that they use at uh, <laughs> Greyhound racetracks that yeah. just like rips around the, the track and, uh, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be a rabbit. There will be something that's like slightly more appropriate to the theme of formula one for but, F1 uh, cars. Yeah. What, what would, it, what would a formula one car be chasing down? Um, I mean, other than a safety car. I feel like it's just like a bag of money with like LED lights all over it that's just flashing. Oh, yeah. And it's like, you know, a little like Squid Game ish or, or whatnot, you know? Yeah. It's just a, a tough, <laughs> it's a podium. It's a podium on one of those like pneumatic. Uh, it's just the, right. <laughs> like literally all three spots and they have to chase that. Yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, there, there, something does need to change, though, I think, with safety car mm-hmm. protocol. Uh, something's got to give because it it will become a safety issue. Once we have a car or two have a real incident because of cold tires after a rolling restart, they'll make a change. But that sucks because it's going to have to take something like that, which is kind of mm-hmm. what Formula One does is they try and get ahead of a lot of things, but then like they won't change the big stuff until someone nearly gets killed the halo right uh the halo yep. is definitely like once jewel once once he pat like i was like yep we gotta we gotta have the halo we got it we can't mm-hmm. we can't have anyone slipping underneath a construction vehicle or something else or like a barrier and without that we wouldn't like roman wouldn't be around yeah uh, you know well, um, we might have even lost lewis he had uh yeah, yeah. max go max right is, over on top of him yeah yeah. So like it, it, it often unfortunately takes a large event where someone has put in extreme danger for safety measures to be put in play, uh, which goes with the heaviness of the cars this year. They have heavier cars because of Roman's crash in Bahrain. They've like changed the way mm-hmm. the fuel cell is in the car, which changed the way the car is. So it's there are knock on effects. I just hope that they get ahead of it before someone has a problem with real safety after one of these rolling restarts or during safety car laps, which could that like defeats the purpose of backing the pack up together to then just have a massive accident. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. So I don't know. All right, Johnny, we've talked for about an hour in an off week. Do you think in like the most off week of off? Yeah. Weeks. Yeah. This, yeah. Do you think that uh formula one stock went up in the U S this week? What are your thoughts? I'm going to say it stayed completely level. Uh, maybe it's even dipped down just a Ooh. little bit. I, I honestly have no read on yeah. There's been so little happening. I have no read on it, but I'm going to say there's like a dip, which is a charging up of energy preparing for uh, what I'm pretty convinced will immediately oh. after Imola, which is our next race, yep. uh, it'll be a week from today, we will be sitting here discussing how Imola unfolded. And I think the second that the drivers cross the checkered flag at Imola, it's going to begin a nonstop barrage 
of information and publicity leading up to Miami. Yeah, I do too. Uh, there have been a couple of like tweets by ESPN F1 and F1 in general. Like one was like a, uh, it was just like a picture of someone taking out like a paint roller from a paint can on tarmac. And it's like that, like, Miami, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yep. uh, that Miami blue. And that was like a, like, oh, right. Oh, right. Yeah. They're going to be ramping up pretty big soon. But I think that there's, I don't know that we're even prepared for how like clownishly outrageous the Miami Grand Prix is. Did you know that they have a man-made water body somewhere in the infield of the track to be able to park yachts within? No. Okay. All right. That's Miami. Man-made yacht bay. Yeah. I mean, that's the. The, Almost the, the, the most natural thing that will be present at the race. Which the, this is the thing. And Miami is a swamp. It's at or below sea level. Like if you like Google Miami and flooding, you'll see that they literally flood all year round. Uh, the fact that they like made a, like an, like a lagoon that they, that like that should have existed there anyways mm-hmm. is very funny, very sad and a little bit disappointing and very Miami. But it could be, I mean, it's going to be an absolute show and I'm excited for it. I want to see the pageantry. I want to see like mm-hmm. all the like failed and failed uh, Cuban and Latin American uh, references that they try to make um, yep. in the lead up. We'll see. All right. Um, yeah. My opinion. I think that uh, it, 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 it was consistent. It may have even popped a little bit. Uh, just a tiny little bit because, hey, we here in the U.S., we love some good family time. We love some good, sincere time away from work to dedicate with mm-hmm. the family. So I think that people will appreciate that, even if we did. Oh, and also that uh, that clip of the people on the the tube or the I guess it's more of a trolley <laughs> uh, of the da, 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 the Jack White uh song yeah, um but them chanting she, daniel ricardo daniel ricardo yeah beautiful um, thing uh so from the yeah from from last yeah. week's i'm gonna uh, put a link melbourne in, in, in grand the description. prix yeah get that get there. that in there yeah if you haven't seen this watch <laughs> it wait okay. for you the darkest moment of your work week and then oh. put this on to be filled with delight and joy uh and just absolute see joy. a bunch of maniacal aussies on a subway on their way either to or from the race. I'm not even clear on what it yeah, was. Yeah. Just it could have been like two days after the singing. race. It could have been any time. Yeah. 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 Ch- um, chanting and singing for, for Daniel Ricardo is a beautiful, beautiful yeah. sight. And I saw that Daniel uh, caught caught a whiff of uh, caught a whiff of it on social media and like yes yeah I caught that a couple like, days awesome. after you had shared that with me he oh, was yeah he, he was just, throwing some love their way it's the most wholesome thing God Daniel Ricardo is just such a wholesome dude uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I hope he sticks around in the sport for for years to come all right well Johnny I think that uh, that'll do it for us where can the folks find you. All right, you can hit me up anytime on Twitter. It's where you'll find me the most at Johnny Motion. Uh, they're talking about all the silly things I get into. Corey, where can the folks find you? Yeah, you can uh, find me at Burn Corey Burn on uh, all the social media stuff. Um, I uh, if finally I finally uploaded another video to TikTok, so you can track me down on there. Uh, wow! Yeah, I think I should think I, I might. Should I, should I download TikTok onto my phone? I've I still have, it's I still have not, and I thought I was getting most of the experience through the what's the equivalent thing that's on Instagram. I mean, it's through stories and a lot of stuff and reels and a lot of stuff is getting posted That's what it is, from the real, TikTok. The, 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 yeah. the reels thing, like I can tell that it's that got that like crack addictive quality yes. to it. Yeah. And I assume um, that's what TikTok is basically designed for. That's most of TikTok, but there is some really good stuff out there. And I think that's where the the Daniel Ricardo clip came from was off of TikTok. It has that natural. It has that yeah, feel. Yeah. Um, what are, what, yeah, are, what, are you, what are you what what sort of hell are you raising on TikTok? What are, what oh, are you getting uh, into? Uh, look, I mean, it's me just making uh, making observations. Um, uh, I ha- I realized 
I'm sick of like watching people stitch themselves next to uh, or like do duets. And then I did a duet with something and was like, oh, I get the appeal of this. Uh, and I'm just absolutely tearing apart someone who's making a bastardized version of pizza. So uh, feel free to, <laughs> to, to track that down. Um, those are my real, real feelings when you see that video. As not a performance. Oh. I'm really that upset. But yeah, I love Burn that Corey this Burn. is the pinnacle of uh, this is the pinnacle of entertainment in this yeah. in this day and age, and it's exactly the way it should be. Yeah, it's just watching me, an animated person, react to something else that someone has done with disgust. Yep. If you want to see that, follow it. me on TikTok, folks. But also follow me uh, on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, we also have the F1 files on uh, Twitter and Reddit, so you can uh, communicate with us and uh, chat us up on that platform. Uh, all right, folks, we will catch up with you next week after the Imola. I'm not going to say the whole name. Uh, oh, oh, John, do you want to say the whole name? Are we going to try for another yes, one? Yes, I do. I do. I okay. do. Give me, give me one more shot at We're it. We're giving on, Johnny on, a, gotta, a second crack at, uh, I gotta at, find, at pronouncing this. Um, I got I to find, uh, oh, Jesus. As, as you it was, it's unnaturally long, right? Like, yes, it is the, uh, an unreasonable, maybe I'm, I'm going to say eight word long, nine word long title for this Grand Prix. Jesus Christ. I All think. Right. We're talking about uh, next week. Yes. You'll be joining us here on mm -hmm. the F1 Files, the pinnacle of motorsport podcasting, to discuss the results of the Formula One Rolex Grand Premio del Made in Italy e della Miglia Romana 2022. Mm. Uh, sprinkled with Parmesan. All right. Uh, it literally folks. sounds delicious. I am going to. Yeah. yeah I'm going to throw that, throw that Grand Prix under a broiler, throw it between a couple slices of bread and just, <laughs> and just go to town on a Sunday afternoon. All right, folks, we will catch up with you next time on the F one files.